This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings and welcome back to the Talking Reggae podcast. As always, I am Jay of Street Level Uprising. I've got a special guest here with me tonight, and I'm incredibly excited about talking to him. His name is Kale Karis. He's got some great tunes, got some great vibes. We have a lot in common that I really want to talk about. So please welcome Kale. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's it's my pleasure. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, you know, reading your bio, uh, we have a lot of things in common that I really want to hit on. But I start in the same place with every artist I have on talking reggae, and that is, tell me your memories of first hearing reggae music and how it impacted me. How it sorry, how it impacted you? <laughs> wow. So that's kind of a that's kind of a difficult question to answer because. It's synonymous with you asking me what was the first word I ever spoke. Um, because I grew up in the Caribbean, so it's ultimately from, you know what I'm saying, it's ingrained in me, so I don't really have a recollection. But what I will do, I will answer my first influence into the reggae music arena, which would probably more align. So my first move into the doing music or, or influencing reggae music my father he was in the uh, i'm was born in um, south america you know um guyana the only english-speaking country over there and my father was in the guyana defense force and when he comes home from his duties he would sit in front of his single turntable and he would just put his music on um different genres no matter what it is and that's where I kind of get introduced to the music. And that's where I get introduced to all these reggae artists. Um, Guyana's big in, you know, reggae is, if you drop you in Guyana, you would think you're in Jamaica. That's how similar the culture are. And so that's what my introduction into the reggae music is. And then we have this thing called, and I'm pretty sure you're familiar with it, Reggae Sound Splash and Sting, which is these big festivals. And once, you know, I'm going to age myself, when we start looking at these VHS of, you know, these reggae sunsplash, these festivals, I was like, you know, I think I can do that. And that was kind of my introduction into the music arena as far as, like, okay, I can be an artist, I can be a performer. Um, so that's where it kind of started. But as far as my first iteration or my first interaction with reggae music, uh, that's, that's be a difficult question to answer. Yeah, that's, that's fine. I, I came to music the same way through my father. Um, uh, we both had fathers served in the, in the armed forces. My dad was in the army. Um, both came to music through our dads. Um, both, unfortunately, our, our fathers uh, um, left us way too young uh, also. Um, and also, uh, uh, you found your way to the U.S. Air Force, and I almost joined the Air Force, so that's it's, uh, another parallel with us. When did you decide that you really wanted to follow the passion of music and you really wanted to do something with it you know even if you were young and didn't know what you wanted to do when did when did you make that conscious decision i would say if i had to date it i would say it has to be around probably age 13 12 13 that's when i really started dabbling with music you know i had um didn't have like a regular recorder so what we did you know you had this little no, just old cassette players where you could actually hit the play and record. So what I did, I actually took the cassette player next to a speaker, played the instrumental side of my dad's radio, and I would sing my vocals close enough. And you know, it was a trial and error, close enough where I pick up the instrumental and my vocals. And that's how my first 
you know, audio recording happened. And I was young at that time. And then I would just pass it out to my friends. But I would say that's when I first started. And then I came to the U.S. Um, shortly after my dad passed. And I met one of my friends um, in high school. And we started this group called Double Impact. And shortly after we actually get signed um, to a record label called uh, Track Masters, you might be familiar with them. They're like really big now, but they don't sign artists anymore. They just do um, production. Um, they do um, instruments, you know, um, beats and stuff. They're like one of the largest hip hop producers. So we get signed to them. And that was very short lived because for whatever reason, I think was, you know, they were getting tired of the art, the artists trying to be impatient you know because it was relatively new and they just decided just to squash the artist development and focus strictly on the you know the beat production and stuff so after that i joined the military and but that's where it actually started so i actually started um we record a few singles then it never got released because they kind of squashed it and i joined the military and Soon as I joined the military, uh, you know, military have a lot of talented people. We, you know, we start um, networking and stuff and recorded the album and career start taking off. But in the military, you know, you kind of have to decide is, you know, service before self or you're going to work on your music. So I have to put that on pause. So that's kind of where that went. But it's kind of started around age 13, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reason I ended up not joining the Air Force is because I kind of made that decision. I even thought about, you know, like Air Force jazz band and all that. It's like I had recruiters saying, well, you know, because I'm a guitar player. So, you know, you could play jazz band and all that. But kind of at the last second, I decided like, no, I really want to focus on music. So I so I, you know, decided not to uh, not to do that. So you grew up um, in Brooklyn. I think something else we have in common. My parents are from Brooklyn. I spent a lot of time there growing up. I haven't, I don't think I've been back for 10 years, but uh, my parents were from there. Um, were you, what kind of sounds were you hearing when you were growing up in Brooklyn? Brooklyn, I um, was strictly um, attracted at that time, strictly attracted to the dance hall scene. Um, you know, so back then would be the Shabba ranks. Um, you know, I was following that that type of path. The Shabarangs is big. Bojo Banton was now coming out. Um, had the Ninja Man. So that those artists was really big around that time. And um, I was even back then. I was doing a lot of shows, but nothing. You know, no major stadiums or stuff. You know, you pop up at a, a street party, or you might get invited to perform at a, um, you know, an event or something. Actually, funny story. I actually get asked to perform. I just read. Just remember this, uh, it was stuck in the back of my memory. I actually got performed, me and my, the same guy was signed with, to perform at an intermission at a strip club, a, a gentleman strip club. So we were just performing wherever we can, you know, to, to build a fan base. But we were just gr grinding in New York, man, just doing what we got. But that was the, the genre of music I was more attracted to back then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a long, there's a long history of musicians and strip clubs, you know, even going back to, uh, rock and roll in the 60s in la it's just um there's always I, I don't know why it's just always been kind of it's almost like it's the same game so it's always made sense to me to see performers at strip clubs even though a lot of people might think that that's kind of strange like to me it's like it's yeah. like nah it's like you know everybody needs music um what brought you down to florida florida so actually when i joined the military um the destined for Walton beach area um, i got stationed at eglin air force base so that brought me down to Florida and um, haven't left since. And you've also been big on uh, education. Um, yeah. I understand that you hold a doctorate, so we should all be calling you doctor. Dr. Kali. Dr. Kali. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And that's, so, that's, uh, very, that's very impressive to me because it strikes me as something you didn't need to do. You mm -hmm. were, you know, you've been successful in music. You were you, um, successful in the Air Force. Why? why why continue with the education what why did it mean so much to you i think it's an echoing of uh parenting and upbringing uh, my mom used to always say that um education is one of those things nobody can take from you and especially i think as musicians whether you go the um the traditional educational way or you educate yourself on the business itself, 
it's good to educate yourself on whatever realm you decide to navigate in because music businessman is cutthroat and you need to know how to read contracts you need to know number one where your line is where you're going to cross and what space you want to be in. and i think uh, education give you a good foundation of where you want i didn't really i don't really i want to say i don't need a doctorate uh because it kind of would open some doors for you um even if i this music stuff doesn't work i mean to me it already worked um but um it's i felt that it was a uh, something that i had to do it was a calling but i feel like everybody should uh put that at the forefront of wherever you decide to navigate in your life put education force because it's one of those things that is more of a protective um, element in your life. I agree. And that even includes self-education, right? Like yeah. I see a lot of younger artists, um, cause you and I are about the same age. I see a lot of younger artists these days. They've, they've got the technology, they can record all their own stuff, um, but they don't always educate themselves with how to do it. Or like you said, the music business, which is, I mean, if, if there's a shadier, uh, business on the planet. I haven't come mm -hmm. across it yet. So to educate yourself in the business of music, to educate yourself in whatever discipline, whether it's music theory, uh, production, uh, technology, like whatever it is, you know, whether you're formally schooled or not, and the formal schooling is always great, but no matter what you do, isn't it ideal to educate yourself the best you can to be, exactly. you know, as good as you can at, at what you're doing? I agree wholeheartedly. And that's why I mentioned, you know, you don't have to be in a, a school, you know, listen to what anybody else saying, unless you go in specifically for a degree within that, that knowledge is, you know, beneficial. Yeah. But man, there's a lot of great books out there on almost any avenue you decide to take. And I, I would say pick up a book yeah. as basic as a song, pick up a book. Right, right, right. I hope we haven't lost that, you know, because, you know, even with the Internet, there, there's where we have all this information at our fingertips, we also have misinformation and disinformation at our fingertips. So it's important to be discerning. It's important to check multiple, multiple sources, multiple, you know, on, on a subject. And also, yeah, yeah like, like books are still published. Like these are, these are still things, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. and it's great. Like I've, you know, I recently I've gotten rid of some books just because I just don't have the space for them anymore, but I've always yeah. loved collecting books and reading them and rereading them, uh, you know, biographies, uh, you know, most, mostly, mostly nonfiction, whether it's biographies or instructional books or whatever. And, um, I hope we're not losing that as we go along as, as you know, the, as the, the generations come up and all they have is internet. I hope, hope they're not losing the books too, you know? Yeah, me too. And I, I feel like it's it's um, it's going in that direction. I've um, noticed lately that a lot of people are kind of gravitating back to the reading for pretty much for the same reason what you mentioned is like the disinformation, the misinformation, and they're trying to make sure they filter through all of that um, and getting back to, you know, more respectable sources. And yeah. I think that's the place to be. I'm encouraged by the fact that my kids are really into books. They've always loved books. They've always loved, you know, when uh, we or, 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 or their grandparents give them books, you know, whatever. So I'm, I'm hoping that, that that's, uh, that's going on across the generation. Um, I'd really love to see that. Uh, let's, let's talk about some of your recent music and let's talk about, let's talk a little bit more too about some of your influences. So um, Buju Banton was my introduction to dance hall. Uh, in the early, in the nineties, right? So like I came up listening to Roots, um, then Buju Banton, Beanie Man, cats like that. Um, I know, uh, like all of us, Bob Marley's an influence on you. Go deeper, take me deeper, Bob Buju Banton. Who else do you consider some of your biggest influences musically? Okay, so there are um many elements so a lot of times uh, when you grow up around music where reggae or dancehall is your for a long time was my only source reggae dance or soca was your only source of music um it is a whole lot of artists and a lot of times it's difficult to pinpoint who influenced you when you're speaking of influence you kind of have to be careful because you never know not really careful 
but you kind of need to be a little more broad because you never know who influences you because a lot of times you can hear somebody and you don't you can't ever tell sometimes it's subconscious who influence you but uh if we're gonna go all the way back outside of bob marley which you know everybody is is the most recognizable reggae artist um the most successful reggae artist they have peter tosh um great influence um especially when you want to start speaking of the revolutionary um conscious type of um reggae music um they have um freddie mcgregor um dennis brown um garnet silk garnet silk he was revolutionary when for the, for the short um span of his life revolutionary um uh, let me see who else uh shabba ranks shabba ranks was a big influence to me um and i even have a song i, I wrote called honors and respect uh, which is pretty much that's the focus of the second verse is giving honors and respect to those artists um jimmy cliff i know if i mentioned his name before but a lot of those um artists really um as far as the foundation of artists now let's go a little further um one, one of my biggest influence and uh artists right now is um bob marley's youngest son damian marley and we have a lot of similarity in that our inception into the music industry was strictly dancehall and now we kind of um, graduated into a more roots isk you know fusion type of um, style and i don't know if you're familiar with an artist um, his name is um Collie buds um yeah, he's a, a, a just i just like his vibe it's like his he, he does a lot of his own producing of like his music his style um a lot of his music's are life so and um similarly um bojo banton too i remember um, I, I actually saw bojo banton his first year he came out in brooklyn and he took the dance house uh scene like storm i um compare him to michael jordan when michael you know was dominating that's how he came out you couldn't go a couple of weeks before he dropped a new single. Uh, he was just dominating. And I actually saw him when he just got released from prison action Guyana. He came down there. So a um, uh, lot of lot of influences. Yeah, in, in uh, the reggae industry. I'd like to go with what you said about um, fusion. It's one of the things that I really love seeing. I love I love eclectic music. And to me, what keeps music growing is that it does not exist in a vacuum. That each artist has more than just one stream in their music. So that so many of us are reggae artists, dancehall artists, but we're all fans of all kinds of music. R&B, yeah. rock, uh, um, funk, jazz. And listening to your music, I love that you, you seem to follow the vibe. You seem to go yeah. and you're not concerned with, you know, categorization per song you're you seem to be am, am i getting that right that you're you know you kind of go with the vibe and you're willing to put in anything to, to kind of satisfy that 100 percent. so i have a my first song is like a a roots reggae with like a jazz flow to it and this is this is why when it comes to music i do not uh put myself in a box um now i'm a vocalist i don't play instruments um, I, I don't have that ability. I can play the, uh, the djembe, what we call kete drum. But if you have any rhythm, you can play that. Um, but what I do, I get an instrument and somebody will either send it to me or I'll go seeking it out. And I don't care what genre it is, but if I get that vibe from it, pen to paper, I'm writing, I'm writing vocals to it. And I'm going to flow to it. I have songs, songs R&B, Neo Soul, and... That's kind of how I put out music, and that's how I will continue. I'm not going to put myself, oh, I'm a dancehall artist, I'm a reggae. Now, to even add reggae into my title as a reggae artist, I had to like solicit information from people. I had to have friends and musicians be like, what genre would you put me in? And they'd be like, you're reggae. Just because of my accent and the way I flow and sing, it's like, okay, you're definitely reggae, which, you know, makes sense to me but it was good i had to go and get that validation to make sure that i'm properly represented but as far as a creative aspect i don't have a genre you give me a rock and roll beat and i vibe to it i'm jumping on it and if 
even my second song, uh, second in my second song, "My Love, I'm Here," have a rock and roll or um, one of my friends who plays um, heavy metal, hard rock. He's the one that produced that beat, and he would send me beats for years, and I was like, "No, nah, that doesn't work." And then he finally sent me ones like before I even rotate. I was like, "That's going on the album." So that it has to have the right vibes. Oh yeah, well, what you are as an artist, and we seem to be so preoccupied with categorizing everything, and it's not even just music. It's always about like we have these organizational minds, and we have to we have to figure out where everything fits. And I think that's a shame when it comes to music because so many artists cross those boundary lines and just make great music. Mm -hmm. And I love that you have that fearlessness that you're not always saying, oh, you know, what category is this going to be? You know, uh, what does it put me in? I, I think um, I would love if we just have a category for eclectic artists. And it's like, yo, these one of my favorite bands ever is Fishbone. I don't know how familiar you are with Fishbone. Um, Fishbone's a band that's been I, I talk about them all the time on, on this show. Fishbone's been around for 40 years and they have played everything. And I always say, you know, Fishbone can play any style of music and they can play it better than any bands that are dedicated to each of those styles of music. So growing up, like this is the type of thing that appealed to me is not hearing every song with the same vibe, with the same groove. Uh, I love that eclecticism. Another thing that I love about you that I noticed when reading your bio, listening to your tunes, I prioritize conscious artists. And I've said that on the show. I make no bones about it. I will not apologize for it or anything else. And some people say, you know, think it's because what I do is conscious and my music is conscious. It's got nothing to do with it. Um, I'm happy to promote any type of, of uh, reggae artist or anyone who touches the reggae genre on this show, but I will give priority to conscious and spiritual artists. And I don't do that because that's what I do. I do it because I think that's the world needs and I want to put those artists at the forefront. Uh, tell me, please, how important to you is it that you are putting these conscious themes in your artistry? Ooh. Well, I, I wish we wish we had a two hour interview, but <laughs> so um, for me, um, I'm going to take a little step back. Um, like, you know, I'm a military veteran and um, most of my military cohorts, you know, they suffer from some form of PTSD, depression, um, you know, uh, and myself included. And I've noticed that um when i i'm true in my music when i start doing back music and true in my music and speaking from my heart is when i was happiest mm. is when i came off all these medications you know dealing with all this stuff and that is perfectly aligned with the conscious music because I got to a point in life when you realize I have a song called Life of Purpose that speaks on this, that you have to have a purpose in life that is dedicating to the common good of humans or, you know, of the world in, in a, a whole. Now, you might decide to focus on a small segment of the world and that's that's okay because um, everybody can't solve every problem and i feel that you know the world is too vast for one person to make a global impact but collectively if we all do our part we can have a ripple effect because today my my words and my music might have a minuscule impact on society but who's to tell a hundred years from now how is that going to resonate and have an, a, a revolutionary impact or solve problems you know somebody can listen to my music i did an interview and um i one of the was an interview at, on a radio station and um one of my songs were playing the same life of purpose and it started playing and the interviewer, I noticed she, were, she was crying, but I wasn't certain because I have allergies and my eyes run until she validated it at the end of the interview. But something in that song had an impact on her 
um, that whether good or bad, it had an impact that, you know, had that emotional movement in her, in her life. So I think it's very important when you're putting out music um, to actually um, make sure that you have that element in it to make sure you have a positive message. And not to say you can't do fun music because e and even my fun music on the album, it's rooted in history and um, it, it's come from some form of life experience. So yeah, I, f I feel like it's definitely important. I feel like there's a lot more emotion that goes into it too. I mean, to me, making conscious music is the full range of emotions. Mm -hmm. You have that, you know, sadness, anger, joy, and sometimes all at once. You know, sometimes yeah. you can have that all at once. And I think that that can resonate with people. And it bothers me when I, when it, sometimes you hear people say, that they don't want to deal with conscious music, that they just want, you know, party music, whatever. And it's like, well, nothing says that conscious music can't, like you were saying, nothing yeah. says conscious music can't be a party to. Um, yeah. So I always admire and respect the artists who are willing to put everything they have into their music. And regardless mm -hmm. of, of how it's received, uh, artistry is speaking the truth. And we like to yeah. use this term lately. We, we like to use, you know, his truth, her truth. As, and that's not really a, a, a phrase that I like because, Me neither. right? Because truth is truth. Like we can't like, truth it's, is truth, yeah. you're telling your truth. Like that sounds like your, your opinion or your, um, your reaction to a situation, which of course we all have, but truth is truth and music sings truth like nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I totally agree with you. I, I cannot um, stand that phrase. And I want to piggyback on what you said earlier, because um, I feel like the, the escape from doing the conscious music or conscious music per se is a, um, it's more of laziness. I, um, I, I'm doing, taking the easy path because there's a lot of artists that I, um, came in contact with. I won't say a lot of, a few artists I came in contact with they are still struggling with identifying what who they really are and they're just going through life mimicking what they think people want to hear every song on my album and I, I don't buy that nobody wants to hear conscious music because every song on my album is conscious and you should see the response i get when i perform because my form of performing is totally different. It's almost like an intimate storytelling type. I speak about the meaning of my songs before I even perform them. And always positive feedback. So the whole premise that people don't want to listen to conscious music, I think is, um, is false. I think is the industry is pushing a type of music on us. So it's saturated. So that's what people are hearing. But I don't think if people had the choice to, I think if people have the choice to pick the type of music, it would be more conscious music. And to um, support your point earlier, there's a hip hop artist, Kendrick Lamar. His, a lot of his songs play in the club, a lot, and a lot of those songs are conscious. So I think it's just an excuse. I agree with you 100%. I don't think it's coming from music lovers. I think it's coming from the industry. I also think sometimes it even comes from artists who don't deal in conscious music and are trying to, you know, I don't want to say, you know, kind of get around it and kind of hold other artists down. But, you know, look, the music business is cutthroat. We do see that sometimes. But when you think about the artists who have made the biggest impact on the planet, we're talking about conscious artists. We're talking yeah. about Bob Marley. We're talking mm -hmm. about John Lennon. We're talking about Bob Dylan. Um, and, and as much as those artists also do love songs or whatever else, like, they're known as conscious artists and they're conscious mm -hmm. artists for a reason. So I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Have you ever run into any closed doors because of your, uh, your conscious, uh, the conscious element in your music? Has that, has that ever affected you in any way? Or have you found that you don't have any problems? I don't, well, let's, um, I, my emergence back into music is, is fairly within the last three years when I really start recording stuff, you know, came out of the, the government system. To date, I haven't had anybody come to me and say that, hey, you know, I need you to do um, this type of music. No. Um, 
And I don't really care if they do, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm to that point in my life and you probably just be the same age. We're at a point where you, so what, you know, if you don't want to hear it, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say what I have to say. And the people who want to hear it is going to take it. Um, the message is not for everybody. You know, um, somebody is hurting that wants to hear the hurt message. Somebody's happy who want to hear the happy message. So, I mean, we're just going to keep moving on as musicians. Uh, every musician, you know, there's only a handful of musicians that I know came into it thinking they're going to become rich tomorrow. It's um, it's one of those things that hurts. I can't take credit for this. Somebody heard it, but I don't know who to give credit to. It says, you know, I didn't pick music. Music picked me. Mm. And I feel the same way, you know. So it is what it is. I'm pretty sure at some point they're probably going to have some closed door people trying to make me do a certain type of music, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and even this album, even this album, people was trying to tell me what type of style I should do and, oh, I should re redo the vocals in this song, this certain way. And I was like, thanks for your opinion. But um... look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, no, you know, it, it's... And I love, I, love, um, I love Willie Nelson. And one of the things he said, you know, all the way back in the 70s was... Record labels need to let more artists produce themselves because mm -hmm. you are, you're holding back their uniqueness. You're holding mm -hmm. back their artistry. Why are you trying to, to, to make this cat sound like that cat? We already have that cat. Mm -hmm. Let this man, let this woman do their own thing and be who they are and be true to themselves as artists. Um, so I think those of us, who are true artists, it's like, there's no other way to do this. Like, I'm, you know, you're going to do it on your terms, regardless of what happens, because you have to be true to yourself. And I want younger artists to understand that it doesn't matter what anyone says to you, just like you said, you have to do your own thing. Now, sometimes it's good to have people close to you who, you, who are going to tell you the unvarnished truth about something if, if, if you're going astray. We all need that. We all need, I love that I've got people in my band that will be like, mm -mm, don't do that. Um, yeah. But but aside from that, like you have to be true to who you are as an artist. And sometimes it's even, even the trusted people. There's some people that I would go to. I have a few people I would go to. Depends on what feedback I I'm, I'm looking for. You know, if I feel like, okay, a more technical aspect. Because um, I came to this realization recently. When you ask somebody, because a lot of times I do interview, people ask me for my opinion, which I think stop asking artists for opinion, especially successful artists for opinion, uh, unless it's how to navigate the business. But when it comes to art, because their reference of art is only what's already out there. Mm -hmm. So they, that's their reference. So they could only compare anything new you put out to what's already out there. The new stuff is always off-putting at the first iteration. When you first hear it, and then you kind of get used to it, it's like, this is really good. Yeah. So be careful when you ask people, oh, how does this sound? Because what are they comparing it to? Yeah. The last hit or the next hit? You yeah. know, so. Yeah. Well, could you imagine if somebody told Jimi Hendrix, oh, it's, you know, it's all right, but like, you, you know, the guitar is too loud. You're playing too much this, too much that. It's like. You know, then he's not Jimi Hendrix anymore. I, I, yep. I, I have a rule. I don't, I don't give unsolicited opinions and I don't accept unsolicited opinions. Like, yep. you know, it, it's, it, it's ridiculous to me to go to an artist who, who wouldn't, don't even know me like you find in the industry and be like, Kale, I like your music, but you know, you is, you need to add this and that. It's like, why would you do that to somebody? I had someone yep. tell me one time, came and saw our band and this, this girl. And she's like, you know, you guys are really good, but you need to have more of your melodies on keyboard instead of your horns because, you know, reggae uses a lot of keyboard melodies. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. 
Like you're you're yeah. telling me we should we should take away some of the horns, which is one of the you know the best qualities of the music that we had, and slide that over just because a lot well a lot of other people use keyboard melodies because they're not using horns and 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 a lot of other reasons. So to to do that to someone doesn't make sense, and it's exactly what you're saying because the mm-hmm. point of reference was the artists that she had heard, the reggae artists she had heard. They do this. And so to fit in, we need to do this. And, and I, I don't understand that mentality. Yeah. yeah, I run, I run into that same problem too. And I get a lot of, um, I guess some unsolicited opinions and, you know, I, I'm graceful with it because sometimes I know it depends who's coming from. It's coming from a good place, Sure. but you kind of have to make up your mind as an artist that you are the artist and not them. And, um, and Another thing is be careful of taking um, too much stake on advice you get from other artists also, because um, a lot of time what they're saying is that they're not telling you, hey, you should do this this way. They're telling you, oh, I I would have done it this way when they they give you that feedback. So if there's... so pretty much that's what that girl was saying. She said, if she was a reggae artist, she would have. Mm-hmm. And that's why you don't take it. It's like, okay, thank you. And you move on. Yeah. And that's the difference between you know, receiving feedback. Do you have some people close to you that you trust that you run, you know, if you're, whether it's you're working on a tune that you kind of run stuff by them and see, you know, for their thoughts, yes. like trusted people you can bounce ideas off of? All right. So I have um, my siblings. Um, I would send um, when I every recording I send before it even get to uh, unless this this specifically tell me not to send it. So my I have a brother, he's a DJ, and he actually is an artist. Um, he's on some of the tracks. Finesse. I would send stuff. He didn't want. He wanted to hear the album collectively, except for the singles that were already held. He's like, don't send it to me. I want to hear it as a whole once it's released. So. I, did, I stopped sending him stuff. So my other brothers uh, and my sister, I would send them stuff. I know whatever feedback they're uh, giving me, number one, is from a fan standpoint. You know, I'm not getting the artist bias. Um, oh, it's good, yeah, yeah. And I have an artist friend, um, Master Wiz. He's a rapper. He'll, you know, I can, he'll tell me, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I trust him. And then my wife, I would send her, you know, have her listen to stuff and she would give her. And to be honest, all three of those source at some point or the other, I've ignored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so, you know, not because they give me feedback, you know, I appreciate the feedback and I want the feedback because I'm seeking that feedback. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I'm always going to take the feedback or take it wholeheartedly, you know, every aspect of it. Sure, sure. Plus, they might all have different opinions. And it just yeah. goes back to what you've been saying. You know, you have to be true to yourself as an artist. The best thing for me is like, I've got like three, four people that I really trust. And it's like, and if if all of them say something like this, it's almost like building a consensus. Right. Mm-hmm. And like there was one tune one time where like my lyr- my lyrics might have been a little too sharp. And like all of them were like, nah, like, don't. <laughs> don't do this <laughs> don't do this like that's that's uh it's not ideal to uh you're gonna make a lot of people upset and it's like all right you know it's it's uh counseled wisdom uh i will take can we uh can we go rapid fire on some of your tunes like i want to ask you Perfect, yeah. questions about some of your tunes we just kind of I, I i wrote down a list of some of the ones i really like and i just kind of want to want to go at them mm-hmm. um and, and and another thing i dig we were talking about um the eclectic nature of some of your tunes and i like these i've got like this list is like a bunch of different vibes to them. Let's start off with Life of Purpose, which, which I mean, it's like there's acoustic vibes on there. You got some strings that come in. Um, give me your thoughts, your feelings on Life of Purpose. Okay. So I actually um, purchased that, uh, that instrument. Like I mentioned before, I, I, I wish I could play, but I can't. And it just, um, I have a process. Uh, when I write, I usually go for like four hour, three to four hour walks mm. and headphones on, instrumental playing and writing in my head. And then I come back, whatever I, I wrote, I, you know, lay the vocals down. I know I record here. 
and um but it it just and like i said earlier it's you know it's it's that's everything in there is really from life experience and i'll just put put it out there the second verse was actually my wife is a vocalist also the second verse was written for her to sing and after she heard the chorus and the first verse she's like no i'm not touching it you have to finish it and i end up uh, finishing and it's actually my until recently was my top performance song until a good day um but yeah it's just um it's speaking on you know living your true life um a life centered around um your happiness and when i say happiness is not the the selfish aspect of me me is whatever you want to do and you what you feel that though you want to do in the world where right? it means helping other people being an advocate i'm sitting on your couch all, all day if that's what you want to do but it's like your your purpose you define your purpose in life and do it i hope your purpose is not sitting on the couch but <laughs> yeah so that's kind of uh, what it is and it touched on um it touched on the aspects of you know being trapped in this um this world of telling you how you should be and what is right and oh you have to get up and you have to do a nine to five to be happy or you have to do a nine to five to to survive you know this all these systems and these structures and then you might have run into this too when you are into somebody and they see you um whatever you're doing you might you might be performing twice a month and or doing whatever little success you get Somebody might look at you and be like, oh, you know, it must be nice. I'm, I'm so tired of that phrase now. But they haven't seen the 10 years of grinding just for that moment. And um, so, yeah, that in, in brief, that's kind of what that, the whole song touches on, a lot of different elements of life. It must be nice is another one of my least favorite phrases that I hear. It's like that, that, one, that one gets the blood pressure up, man. Yeah. Because it's like, <laughs> because you don't know what people go through. And mm -hmm. you can't ever, you could look at uh, Elon Musk and, mm -hmm. and uh, 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 Bill Gates and go, oh, it must be nice to have a lot. You don't know. You didn't walk in their mm -hmm. shoes. You don't, you don't yep. know what they deal with. You don't know what they go through. And especially an artist, man, you don't know what we go through every day. To, to, <laughs> there's way easier ways to make money. And it's like, mm -hmm. and people hear me on the podcast or they see the band play and they're like, oh, you know, you must be doing really well. Like, not nah, like financially, I'm not. Like, I have to do other yeah. things to make a living. Mm -hmm. Like it's not the grinding and it, it, that you have to do to get there. So that, uh, you know, must be nice thing is like, yeah, yeah. That, that gets me. So I know, I know that a lot of times or, or maybe all the time, um, producers are sending music to you and you're, you know, vibe to it. You like it, you write lyrics. Do you ever come up with things kind of on your own from scratch and then go to a producer and say, Hey, I got this idea for this. Is it, can you kind of make something that fits it? So I actually, I actually can produce. Uh, I just choose not to anymore. Oh, <laughs> I just right. don't. Um, I, I want to focus. But um, so far, um, before yes, and actually, I've just written a song where I actually did a guitar riff in it, and I recorded it with my mouth, and just it's sitting there right now. Um, my previous album, I did two guitar melodies and sent it out to one of my friends in Jersey and had him um, play it. I mean, he did the bass and he had somebody else play the actually guitar riff. So yeah, I, I actually can produce. I just can't play the instrument itself. Um, I would like to get to the point and actually um, it might happen sooner or later. I'm actually putting, um, putting a band together because I want to start playing bigger venues. Mm -hmm. And I know that's um, kind of a Achilles heel, especially when you're trying to get the biggest venue. They want you to have a band. Yeah. And, you know, within the reggae, um, you know, avenues or the spaces I, I was used to, you seldom see band playing. That's yeah. where I'm from. It used to be like a DJ or something. Nobody usually acts a band, but now it's like, oh, you know, send me a picture with your band. And you, <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't have that. <laughs> so I have a guitarist right now. Uh, we're having a hard time finding a drummer. And mm. so, uh, but it's work in progress. We're still pushing forward. Yeah, right on, right on. Yeah, I, you know, drummers, um, especially good drummers, are uh, are hard to find. Um, drummers and keyboard players. So you, 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 I mean, you can find guitar players anywhere. And I'm saying that as a guitar player, like yeah. we're basically a dime a dozen. 
Um, and, and there's usually some good bass players around, but yeah, drummers, good drummers and keyboard players are tough to find. Uh, talk to me about a good day, which you mentioned a minute ago. Um, I mm -hmm. love the R and B vibe that you've got going on with that tune. Uh, take me deep into a good day. All right. So from the outskirts, that good day probably, uh, be, being the artist and listen to it, nobody give me, gives me the good um summer vibe barbecue out um chilling you know that that's smooth but that song is actually very dark so that song is actually talking about it's pretty much talking about me speaking to my depression saying you don't have what it takes to ruin my day i'm on the high now i'm having a good day so it's going to change your perspective when you listen to it again because the first time you listen to it, if you think you're talking to somebody else, you know, somebody trying to ruin your day. But that was the motivation for writing that song. And if you actually listen to even the second verse, it said, let's go out and put something tasty on the grill. You know, it's like, you know, you, you, you got to. And that's one thing I've um, accepted in life is that, you know, everybody has some aspect of disability or problem, whether it's financial, physical. And you've got to figure out a way to cut through that and just you got to keep living. And you can't let your disability be a disability, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, that's kind of what that song's about, the whole message behind that song. And that's a beautiful message, man. You know, a lot of yeah. us, more people than we ever realize deal with a lot of these things, depression, anxiety, and things like that. And I yeah. love that it's becoming... Uh, uh, more of an open thing, especially with the younger generations. Cause you know, with our generation, like there was a lot of like, you don't talk the about this stuff and the stigma, it's man, tough. like back in the day, like you could not bring this up. It's like, people would be looking at you sideways, even if they're going through the same things you are, yeah. because it's like, you don't, you keep, you know, we're men, especially men, right? We're men. We keep this inside. We don't talk about these things. We just get up every day and suffer. You know, yeah. I love that these things are coming out more and that more artists like yourself are willing yeah. to talk about it. Um, talk to me about Johnny. Don't cry. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Johnny don't cry is the vibe. man. that was actually my first, um, my first single. Oh yeah. So, um, I dropped that single in, um, 2022. So I actually, um, I went to South America and a guy, uh, a producer down there, he gave me, I think it was like four or five beats to, to write to, and I was supposed to lease them a purchase or something. And I started writing to, start writing to Johnny Don't Cry, write the first verse and the second verse and the, the, the chorus and the second verse. And, um, but then I wasn't really too happy with the, the financial you know, dealings, you know, like I say, you got to know the music business. I'm like, this don't really make sense. Mm -hmm. So I, I squashed it and I continue writing. You know what inspired me to finish writing it? The Johnny Depp lawsuit. I woke up and I woke up one day and like literally got up and finished that song, but it was a different beat. I already had purchased another beat and I finished it and released it. And it's like one of my favorite songs, the whole vibe. Um, but pretty much the whole message be behind that, and if you listen to the song, um, you, the whole message behind that song is that people come into your life, which is remarkable, like how it meshed, even not talking about it, but talking about it, but not talking about it. The message is, is people coming into your life to take advantage of you. That's where the, the whole Johnny don't cry. And it's weird. The chorus was even written before that. The first war, which you're talking about, you know, a wise man said the greatest glory in living, you know. All that was written before that, but the whole message is saying, hey, there's people who can come in there, take up your mental space, your, your financial resources. That's all they're there for. You just got to cut them out your life. And that's the message behind the song. Yeah. But yeah. thanks. Thanks for Johnny Depp. I'm a big fan of him before, but thanks for him for inspiring me to finish that song. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, don't come looking for any royalties or nothing now. We're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> You got plenty of money, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, another one I ask you about is uh, 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 Husami Bougie. Okay, Husami Bougie. So, um, so that song is um, have some historical context. So, I'm pretty sure you know Bougie came from the word bourgeoisie. Um, it's a French term, which means you know you're affluent, you have money and stuff. So people usually joke with me, I'm like, oh, you're bougie, yada, yada, yada. And my perspective of it, you know, in, in being, being black, 
especially in this culture, you know, once you start um, getting to a level of success um, and you start navigating differently, uh, people start, you know, saying you acting differently and not necessarily a different race. It's usually within the black community, you know, which is more, um, see you acting on bougie and in like in South America, where I'm from, they have another term, they call it Haiti Taiti. Um, so that's why I write that song, Bougie. Like I told you, no matter my upbeat songs, they still have historical conscious content. Take. So when they say, who semi Bougie, me semi Bougie. And pretty much my message is like, you know, I'm going to celebrate my success. Mm-hmm. And if you think I'm Bougie, Bougie, yeah, I'm Bougie because I'm, I'm, I'm celebrating my success and moving forward in life. So that's the kind of the message behind the whole song. And I have two other Guyanese artists on it. Finesse, which is my youngest brother. And another artist, CBD the General. He's out of Atlanta, very talented artist. I can't wait for him. He's supposed to be dropping the album, so I can't wait. All right. Uh, everything I heard from him is really good. I don't Yeah, we live to tear each other down, man. You know? Yep. It, uh, it's, it's, it's crabs in a can. It's never made sense to me that like we can't, every community within mm-hmm. a community, from community to community, that we can't, we can't just build each other up. And it doesn't make sense to me because there's there's room for all of us. Uh, there's enough success for all of us to go around. I, I don't understand the mentality. The frustrating part uh, for me with that is how easy it comes to people. Yeah. You know, you, you can say something today and you have a bunch of people jump on it. It's like, if I were to take a microscope to your life, it'll be way more messy than the person you are trying to put down. So it's, I really don't understand why, you know, people gravitate to bringing people down instead of, um, you know, lifting them up. And actually I think what it is, is that a lot of people look at others through um, like a mirror, like a lens, like a reflection. Whenever they see you doing good, it kind of reminds them of their failures in a sense. So they try to bring you down, whether if you're doing good or not, just to make themselves feel better. That's that's kind of what I think it's the root behind that whole. Whether you're speaking of racism or just people being petty, I think that's kind of what the root of a lot of that type of hate comes from. Is not wanting to see anybody elevate above their status because it makes them look bad. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, look at yourself. Like if, if there's something, if you're unhappy with what's going on, like, let's, let's try to help you change your life. Don't go tearing down other people, you know, with envy and whatever else that you're dealing with. But you know, that's just me. What do I know? Um, yeah. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Another tune I wanted to ask you about, man, because this is, this is, this is new and it's serious. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to ask you about the single you came out with not too long ago called echoes of war. Oh yeah. And we're my coffee to uh, <laughs> show solidarity. So that song, man, um, man, that song, I have not have any in a long time, any event, whether it's, um, social and, you know, keep the, the politics aside. Mm. But if you think on it from a humanitarian standpoint, I have not seen anything that had such a harsh effect on me psychologically, emotionally, than kind of what's going on in Gaza. I've seen so many babies being killed. And those are things you can't come back from. And, you know, and, you know, it's easy to, you know, put on a TV show and watch something else and be distracted. But I don't think that's healthy for me. It might be healthy for some people. I think I have, it's one of those things I have to face um, head on and just go through the process because it is so heartbreaking for me to see, regardless of whatever justification, whatever side you are, Mm -hmm. if you were to look at the humanitarian aspect of it and just seeing 10,000 babies just vanished within a matter of 100 and 
plus days, you know, it's kind of, so I had to, I had to write that song. It was for my, my mental health and I echoes of war and the kind of message is like, you know, how long are we going to keep doing this? It's just wash, rinse, repeat um, of the same thing over and over. And it, is it going to stop? I don't know, but it keeps happening. It keeps going from country to country. We might have a pause for 50 years and then we back at it again. And, you know, we, we have to start putting human, humanity first and stop focusing on land grabbing and money and all the other craziness. There's enough land in this, there's enough land in this world for every human being that's on it. And why are we, we keep fighting and killing each other over stuff when stuff that's in abundance, we keep killing each other over. And, um, I, I don't know how I, you know, we as a nation or, or a society, a global society, going to come back from these type of behavior. I think that's what gets lost in all these things as a humanity. We're so quick mm -hmm. to jump to our ideologies, jump to our mm -hmm. politics, that it's like, yo, hold up. And what you see in most wars, maybe not every war, but most wars, if not all, is both sides are typically wrong. Both sides mm -hmm. have typically gone about things the wrong way. Both songs, both sides have typically committed heinous atrocities against the other side because this stuff gets lost in the fog of war. And so you have people do, you know, even when you have war, you have people going beyond it to do the wrong things to try to solve that war. Um, and I don't take sides in this because I'm always on the side of humanity. I'm always on the side of innocent people getting killed, man. It does exactly. this. So whatever what your ideology, I don't care. Stop mm -hmm. killing innocent people. And so mm -hmm. what you find is that most of the time it's both sides killing innocent people. And I wish we would just stop sometime. Because the, 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 the parties that are fighting, they don't seem to be able to stop. But maybe the rest of us who aren't directly mm -hmm. involved in the fight should stop and say, hold on. Let's look at who's suffering from this. Let's look at the humanity of this and let's stop talking about what we think is right and wrong. Right and wrong doesn't matter. Human life matters. Right and yeah. wrong, we can, we, can, we can fix things. We can talk about things. But once people are getting killed, once people are getting raped, once people are being oppressed, that's what needs to stop and that's what we need to focus on. And I hope that someday we can come to that point where those of us who aren't involved can realize that's what we need to start and that's what we need to deal with. Yeah. I think if we go back to our early uh, conversation, when we were speaking of, of the, the conscious messaging, uh, I think if we eliminate a lot of this distraction and force people to actually look at these issues head on, um, whether if it's not a, on a situational basis or more of a conscious basis, then it'd be easier to really have these type of conversations because uh, music is one of the most powerful source or message, uh, you know, transport of, uh, of message out there right now. And if you start giving people the message, you know, and I, I believe a lot of these distractions on purpose, it's to keep, keep the masses, you know, distracted and dumb, not to know what's going on because yeah, it's, this stuff is going on everywhere in the world. But nobody's hearing about it because we're too busy, you know, twerking on the Internet. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's the truth. Well, here's hoping that one day, uh, uh, you know, the rest of us can figure it out as well as you have. But um, so uh, um, I, I want to ask you, man, and, and I, I do this. I do this to everyone. So. Um, but I like to ask a couple of tough questions and I say tough. It's not that tough. It's not, you know. But I like to ask tough questions to artists. So I'm going to give you two tough questions. I'd like you to answer just whatever comes to you. Now, you are a creative artist, excellent lyricist. You know the music you want to feel. But you're also a performer. What if you could only do one of those? What if you could only create music or mm -hmm. perform? What choice would you make? Mm. That, that's a tough one. So, um, I say, I would say I like performing a lot. I, I really like performing. However, I don't like doing covers. Mm. 
So if I had to do the two, I think I'd prefer to write and create the music and have somebody else perform it. Yeah. Because I think I I think I I'd rather not do a cover more than performing. You know what I'm saying? If I have to be like, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 100% man. I'm not, I'm not really into doing occasionally, but I'm really not into doing covers. And like you, I want to be creative. So it's like, Mm -hmm. if you, you shut off that creative outlet, it's like, well, what's the point in performing? It's just, just like what you said. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll, um, I, yeah, I'll do the music and I'll watch somebody else perform and maybe I live through them, but <laughs> I don't want to do the cover. Yeah. I, 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 I'm hundred percent, hundred percent. The other question, Kyle, um, if someone's not familiar with your music and mm-hmm. they come to you and they say, well, I'd like to check your music out, but I'm a very busy person. Give me one song that best encapsulates what you do. And I know you'd love to tell them, listen to everything, but if you only had mm-hmm. a chance to give them one song, what song would you choose? Okay. Um, so I would, I think the safest bet to really give a, a quick glimpse of my style and I would say Johnny Don't Cry. And the reason why I think it is so in the middle of so many genres it has the roots reggae, but not really have more. And then you have more, some R&B elements. It also have some Christian horns in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so um, I think I probably uh, would send them to Johnny Don't Cry. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, that would be kind of a safe bet to be like, okay, try check this out and see what you think. I, I would say that too, man. When I listen to uh, you know an artist that's going to be on the, on, on the show, when I listen to their music, I like thinking of that too. I'm like, hmm, if I was going to recommend what track, what, what would I pick? And, and I mm-hmm. picked Johnny Don't Cry also. So okay. um, what's next for you, man? What's, what do you have coming up? So pretty much what I, uh, my plan is, I think one of the priority is to, um, it's relatively high, not, not the top of the list, is to try and get a band together. But I don't want to have a fusion band. You know, I want to have, I still want to have my DJ element, guitarist, and a drummer, you know, something simple that we can still jam out to. So that's in the works and um, lining up some more. I want to start doing a little more podcasts, um, start reaching different audiences, you know, that might not be able to find me, you know, so I'm finding the, the different audience, do a little more podcasts and also um, um, get back into putting together a um performance schedule last year was relatively successful to be honest once the album dropped i think i performed at least one show every month uh up until you know the holiday season and uh, i'm trying to get back um start doing some schedule for the rest of the year so if that can happen you know um that would be great and um i'm gonna start sometime soon start recording again and you know, i don't want to get complacent and um, at least start working on another project you know take my time with it and not neglect. You know, a lot of us artists, something we forget, <laughs> we start working on a new one and we ignore the last one. So I want to still, you know, promote and push that one and start putting some tracks together for the next one. Yeah. yeah right on. Well, great, man. It's been, it's been excellent talking with you. Um, and if, if there's anything I can ever help with, just holler at me. And I'd also, next time you have something to promote, you know, come back on the show, we'll, we'll, we'll do it again. Um, please Perfect. tell, please tell, uh, uh, the listeners where they can check all your stuff out and where they can keep, keep track of you. Uh, perfect. So I'm on social media, Facebook, Instagram, you know, TikTok everywhere on the Kali Karis, C-O-L-L-E-K-H-A-R-I-S. That's the handle. Um, my website is kalikaris.com. We have merch, my music, etc. Everything is on there. Um, on Spotify, um, actually all the streaming platform. If you guys can go on there, um, you know, do a little follow up the music, add it to your playlist. Um, the music game has changed. It's all about algorithms and, and different level stuff that I don't understand. I don't care to, but it's out there. We have to deal with it. So <laughs> that's how artists, you know, get known. You know, we if if you don't like my stuff, the, the algorithm is not going to keep pushing it. So other people can see it. So uh, whether no matter what platform you're on, you listen to your music, you know, you can go on there, add it to your playlist or give it a like or whatever they do on those platforms. Um, but yeah, and if you follow me on um social media, don't be afraid. Send me a message and say, hey, I saw you, you know, 
on here and we jamming out and um you know we we can, we can converse i i'll i actually want those artists that's asking her like you guys communicating with me and i'll respond to you and we can stay in contact and stuff so but once again i appreciate you taking the time to have me on and you know happy to be here take care of yourself man one love uh, respect <laughs>